You're listening to Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Welcome to beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. I'm Mark Gailey, and Felony Inc. is the fastest hour in podcasts. So, um... And my incredibly awesome, cool co-host, DJ Dick Hennessy. Thank you, Mark. Would you um, do the honors of introducing um, our guest? Because uh, I think, do you know him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm getting. I'm, we're gonna get to know him. Oh, right I now. thought I thought you knew him personally. Yeah. And my my good friend Missy recommended this guy. Okay. So he was the real deal. Real deal. So uh, looking forward to hearing all about it. Uh, this is our great guest of the day, Josh. Menges is that my pronouncing that correct? Menges is fine. Menges, yep. Okay, Josh Menges of Menges Investment Properties, and that is an investment real estate company based in Salem, Oregon. Correct. Right. Okay. So, Josh, I'm not sure if you're uh, how familiar you are with the podcast, but typically how we start the podcast off is giving us a little insight and in, as to your upbringing. You know, maybe childhood, maybe adolescence. What kind of led you on the path to uh, of crime, so to speak. Okay. And then, um, if you want, you can be begin there. Yeah. What made you a bad? Okay. What made you a bad um, seed? What made me a bad seed? I think myself, but um. <laughs> oh, I was born in Boston. I uh, moved out here when I was a little kid, and grew up in a, you know what I mean, a middle class family. Everything was fine. My dad supported us this and that, and I grew up in like nice South Salem neighborhood, but. I choose to hang out with the kids in the flats because I figured I related most with them. And I think I caught my first charge when I was a seventh grader. And obviously we were skipping school and smoking pot or something. And the gateway I drug. Decided, yeah. <laughs> I, I decided to spray paint prick on the principal's car. And, uh, <laughs> And I got, uh, yeah, I got suspended and arrested. That brings back memories. And so forth. So that that was my first encounter with the law. You spray-painted prick on the <laughs> assistant principal's car? He was sort of a prick, man. Well, I was just thinking yeah. that that's not bad. I mean, if it's true, it's the real deal. Oh, I just wonder if they they find out by handwriting analysis or how they get the bottom of that. You got snitched uh, no, off. No, dude, by your I did it gangsters. during school. I did it during school while kids were watching me out the window. I didn't even give a shit then. <laughs> he must have been a prick then. Was it Krylon? Uh, no, yeah, it was Krylon. So, yeah, he was bummed. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was more bummed. So they threw me in the system and then. I was in and out of jail. That's an actual charge. Like he went to, they cuffed you and stuff. It's like, no, they, they, well, no, they came and just arrested me at school. Called me to the office and said, "Well, here, here's blah blah. This teacher seen you do this, and this kid seen you do this." And I was like, "Hell, I didn't." I think you get suspended, <laughs> huh? Yeah, I got suspended. They gave me a vandalism charge too. Okay. So that was the first time I've ever been in that this like the juvenile system. And then from there on out, I just I just kept getting in trouble. I just, from then on, it's like you hit the big time and you just ready to roll with it. Oh, yeah. Then, <laughs> you know what I mean? Then you couldn't afford your pot or your meth or whatever you needed, so you had to go out and hustle to make it. How and old are you? Easy, 
I'm 27 or 47. Okay. So a little, and, bit, uh, little bit before that time, they used to give you these hacks down in the boiler room in school. So you kind of missed that era, I think, <laughs> for, right. something, for something like that. I remember uh, um, writing a bunch of foul words on the school bus, and I remember getting hacked down in the boiler room. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, just, it's funny. Sorry, I had to mention that. No, that's, that's, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, so things went from there, you know what I mean, and then... I was just sort of a crazy skateboarder kid and got in trouble for skateboarding all over the place. Um, and then me too. Was, and then it was like my, uh, my sophomore year, some kid said, Oh, this guy's bringing pot to school, blah, blah, blah. Then they raided my locker. And that's when I caught my second charge. And, uh, you know, what was I 15, six, 17 or something. So that that was like the last time I think I got arrested as a juvenile and then life went on and I moved around, snowboarded a lot all over the place. And then I caught a cocaine habit and that was bad. I was smoking probably a half ounce of cocaine every day. And if you'd have it like that, you got to be a millionaire. So, I started selling cocaine. Yeah, that's crazy. And, um, yeah, you don't want to be in the cocaine business. Um, no, I kind of like the way it smelled, but I don't know, it made me sneeze. A little, oh, the, ri- the, the risk for reward is actually worth it. <laughs> it made me sneeze a lot, so I don't know. I feel like Just I don't tell your kids that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that went on for a long time, you know what I mean? I was, I was a pretty successful drug dealer, and, well, I, nobody's a good drug dealer when you go to prison so okay scarface (laughs) (laughs) so uh uh, yeah i ended up getting busted with well i didn't get busted with cocaine my buddy got busted he gave me a bunch of buy money this was when i was 19 years old in bend and uh yeah it was my first felony i got two counts of delivery of a controlled substance and all i had was the buy money in my pocket but when the guy arrested me, I was like, what? I didn't do anything wrong. And he's like, go empty your pockets. He, get, he goes through my money. And he's like, why do you got my money in your pocket? And I said, all the money's dirty. And he goes, this is dirtier money. It's got my markings on it. And that was it. I freaking ended up going to prison for two years. Ugh. And that was in Oregon? Oh, uh, yeah. So just out of curiosity, what brought you from Boston to Bend, Oregon? Between, I mean, uh, it, as a sailor. Oh, my father! It was my father's right. job. He worked for American Can Company in in uh, in Boston, and they moved him out here for his job, and then he went to Warehouse or something or Boise Cascade. Okay, but yeah, it was for work. What years were you in prison? Um, two thousand one. To 2003. Uh, I just missed you. <laughs> Is that OSP? Oh, 2000, 2001 to 2003. Yeah, I wasn't there. I paroled in 2000 job. once. Yeah, not the, not the best place to visit. OSP? Uh, no, I was in uh, EO. Oh, I've never been there. That's good. Well, good. I heard OSPs. I, I take, so I'll explain that at the end, but, uh, so yeah, I did that, and then I got out, and obviously, I got loaded the whole time I was in jail because there was nothing else to do. And uh, I got out, reported to my PO, went right back to jail because I pissed dirty from prison. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, like no, 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 I'm just, that's just my story, man. And uh, so I just kept going in and out, in and out. And I think, I think I freaking did more. I only did like 18 months on my sentence and freaking, I think I did more time on uh, sanctions just because the only reason I couldn't, I got, I couldn't be a good person on parole is I couldn't stay clean. And, uh, was it Coke still? No, nah, it's Coke. No, nah, actually, I was addicted to s'mores. S'more, whatever the fuck you got. <laughs> S'more, whatever you got. Okay. Yeah, it seems to be a popular choice. Right? So, but mostly I was a meth addict. And uh, then the same thing. I thought, oh, well, let's try to cook meth. So me and my buddies figured it out. And uh, um, we're lucky we didn't get caught with that. So I never got busted with meth. But. The original charge that I got busted with in Bend, I never went to court on it. I, I ran for nine years. They caught me nine years later. I'm a moron. And, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, what's pretty the good. statute of limitations on that? That's pretty good. Nine there, years. There isn't one. Well, I mean, if Not they charge you, it takes them, they have three years to charge you. Oh, okay. But if they don't charge you, then after three years, then you're cool. But exactly, Except for they murder. charged me. Murder, treason. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so whatever, there was a, I was in, I was in Bend, and the, it was just a mess, you know what I mean? Me and my friend were freaking smoking some cocaine at a buddy's house, and my buddy did a deal with this guy that I, I didn't even know. I wasn't worried about that. I was worried about smoking crack, and, uh, and uh, when we walked out, he gave me some money, and when we walked we didn't even the car tires didn't even roll twice and we were freaking hemmed up guns in our face on the ground it was over more bait mm -hmm. money yeah no 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 pass go no collect two hundred dollars none of that and so, uh so that's so that's that you know what i mean then uh i lived a life of freaking drugs in and out in and out of jail in and out of jail until i was about 31 and then uh this is where it starts to turn. It was the 20th of July, and I was on risk response. I'm sure you guys know what that is, where you don't have to report anymore. Yeah. You just, you know what I mean? You're, you don't have to check in with your PO. You just don't have to break the law. But so I was still getting high, and this other guy that was my mentor, he'd call and tell me, what are you doing? And I'm like, dude, I'm getting high. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And, uh, he finally just called the, the courts and said, hey, I think you need to call this kid back in. And uh, it's the first time that anybody's ever ratted on me and fucking helped me out. And, uh, at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at the same fucking time. And uh, so they called me down and they said, well, if we give you UA today, what are you going to be dirty for? And I said, small is everything. Go UA me, I'm dirty for everything, heroin, coke, crack, what, whatever. Or, no, I didn't say heroin. So I take the piss test and the lady calls me the next morning and says, you need to be here by 10 o'clock or you're going to have a warrant. And I said, all right. So I go back down there and she says, why didn't you tell me you were on heroin? And I said, I must've forgot. And she says, what? <laughs> I said, well, if I didn't do a hit of heroin last night, I'd been so tweaked out. I wouldn't have made it to your meeting. And she's like, well, I expect your honesty. And she gave me like 30 days of like daily report where you just have to report every day and freaking show up to the PO's office just for 20 minutes, check in, check out. And when I was leaving that day, my friends, my friends like, man, 
you need to get into Oxford or you need to do something else, man. You're going to keep going to jail. And I thought this kid was just some punk going, oh, yeah. And I'm like, dude, I don't want nothing. I'm going to the dope house. And uh, and I actually listened to him. And then when we walked in, he introduced me to this guy, Jesse. And it was somebody I freaking used to get high with back in the day. And uh, I'm like, dude, you're clean. And he's like, yeah. And he had like a killer job with the freaking county and this and that. And I was just like, man, there's actually another life to this. And he's like, yeah, dude, I can get you a house today. But the only deal is you got to stay sober. And I was like, fuck, dude, I don't even know how to do that. Yeah, how, many, like, you could, how many years that have been? But just that um, Oh, this was uh, December 20th, 19 or 2003. That's the last time I've used drugs. God, you have a good memory. <laughs> I can't December remember 20th. dates. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a significant date, though. It is. Yeah, it's the date I turned, the day I saved myself, or God saved me, or whatever the fuck. That's my and, stepdaughter's uh, birthday. That's a good deal, man. It's the day I saved my life. And my friends saved my life. I'm not too sure. I'm sure God had something to do with it. But yeah, so I started going to these meetings with these people, and I thought they were like some kind of cult or weirdos or fucking whatever. And people are like, oh, I got 10 years clean. I'm like, you guys are full of shit. No one's got 10 years clean because I was a junkie. You know what I mean? I didn't think it was possible to stay clean one day. And I went back to this Oxford house, woke up the next day, and I was clean. And I was like, whoa. And they're like, do you want to go to one or more of those meetings? I was like, yeah, it sort of helped. And uh, since that day, you know what I mean? I've just turned I turned my life running and I surrendered my life to, uh, you know what I mean? I don't know about church and shit like that, but I surrendered myself to a higher power that, was obviously more powerful than me because I kept getting myself thrown in jail and prison and stuff like that. So I turned my life around and I finally got 30 days and I was like, that's a miracle, man. I'm like, I haven't used drugs in 30 whole days. That is weird. And then I just kept going one day at a time, one day at a time. And you know what I mean? That's all you can do. It really is one day at a time. Sometimes you can only do it one second at a time. But since I turned my life over and, it was a member of Narcotics Anonymous. I haven't got loaded in 16 years. December 20 or December 20th was my 16 year birthday, and I haven't used any mind altering or alcohol or any kind of drugs like that. And uh, it actually worked for me. You know what I mean? It it uh it changed my whole outlook on what what friends I have. You know, I and mean, I still talk to people that I was down with, but you know what I mean? I'm no better than anyone else. I'm one bad decision away from starting my whole life fucked off again. You know what I mean? It's like people think getting clean was the hardest, smartest thing I've ever done. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It, it makes does. perfect sense. Cause just getting out of that atmosphere was involved. I mean, if I would say anything's impossible, trying to get yourself out of that atmosphere is almost impossible, but yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not impossible because I've done it and millions of other people have done it. So it's not impossible. Anything that's worth having is you got to work for it. It seems like, so if it was easy, oh, then everyone, everyone would do it. Exactly. So yeah. It's just like owning a business. I told everyone business, you own a business, you're rich, you're this, you're that. I was like, dude, you walk in my shoes for one day and you'll give my phone back because you won't understand what you're doing. Right. You know, you got to work for it. No, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of kids here that, you know what I mean, got handouts from their families and stuff like that, but I was just not one. I learned, and everyone's like, oh, you must have went to school. And I said, I went to school until about the eighth grade. Where did you, they're like, where did you get your degree? Where did you go to college? I said, no, on a goddamn corner. 
Yeah, you just you just no, you just made a huge no focus and huh? business is business, man. When you when you're selling drugs, you need you know, and you got to have different people you gotta have soldiers and foot soldiers and the guys that just collects money it's just like setting up a business it's you know it is a business so i took my skills from there and actually brought it towards an investment property company because it's just another hustle man um backing up a step i'm gonna ask you a question so your last prison set you got this different mind frame um so you had like i guess we call it an aha moment or whatever can you right. can you pinpoint that i mean that's um, what made you think about real estate investing? Was that why you were, um, was that why you're in prison, or is that something you found? Afterwards? No, I was in prison for selling drugs. Um, but yeah, then I got out. You know, I mean, I got a couple regular jobs, and then I uh, then I got into the excavation business with my friend Keith Owen that we used to party with in high school. It's a miracle that he's doing so good too. This, but um. I started laying pipe for him and uh, excavating, and let me get a bit of my own. Nine years ago, he's like, "Man, you're so good at detail. Let's uh, partner up and do this. Let's do a." What I do is uh, I sell investment properties. So me, Keith, my old boss, he's like, "You're so good at detail. Just we'll start banging out duplexes." So what I do is I fill up, I buy land, I build a duplex on it. I fill it up with people in it and then I sell it on the, like the net or whatever, the stock exchange and MLS or wherever. Cause it's actually a, an investment. You know what I mean? It's got people in it. It's a moving machine. So most people with 1030 exchanges and this and that, yeah, it's, they already, just flop. it's already paying for itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's already Exactly. So they did. It's just a number game to them. They've got better problems than me. You know what I mean? They got a 1030 or a bunch of million bucks they got to spend and they just come and swoop them up. So that's the good thing. It's an easy sale. Just like drugs was an easy sale, but now I'm at least doing something honest instead of selling death to my friends that I didn't even, they weren't even my friends. You know, you, you kind of said something interesting about um, you still talk to some of your old friends that were using and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. it's kind of one of those things that they tell you from the beginning that you have to kind of cut ties with people. Oh, that yeah, that's what, you're 100% right, brother. Yeah. You, that, what I did when I got to the room is I changed one thing. I changed everything, the people I hung out with, the people I didn't. But you know what I mean? Some of the guys that work at my work or work around me or work in the construction industry, I still see them or I see them on the street. And uh, I don't hang out with them, but I uh, – I'm still cordial with them. And if they want to go to lunch or have, you know what I mean? Go to coffee or something. I'm fine with it. Cause I understand what the program says, but I'm just a realistic person that I'm no better than those people to be honest with you. You know what I mean? I'm just one bad decision away from being worse than them. Of course. So you went into business with your friend. At what point did you kind of branch off and begin your own company? Um, that was about five years ago. My partner that I was working with, man, he's like, you're killing it. And he owns the excavation side of the company. So, um, he was like, dude, just take off on your own. So we, uh, ended up dissolving the company, selling the properties that we had and split everything up. And then I started my own company. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So go ahead. So from there on, you know what I mean? I, I've just been running my company by myself. I've got a, I've got a bookkeeper, a rental management lady, uh, and a 
a real estate agent, and that's my team, plus 36 subcontractors. That's cool. Here's a little story. Like, um, I remember one time I got out of prison, and um, I went to my mom's house, and I was doing good. I had a little job selling uh, cheap sunglasses at the kiosk at Valley River Mall. And right. I don't know. My brother had these uh, Charlton Sheets. Um, I think they were VHS. That's how long ago this was. No right. money down. I sat there and just watched those things over and over because I just wasn't doing anything. I wasn't hanging out with people or whatever. I was just doing my own thing. And uh, yeah, I actually get got into it. And during my little job at the kiosk thing, I would like you know call these real estate people and try to wheel and deal and stuff. And I just like did it so much. I finally, um, I finally did. I did a flip the house. And uh, you know, I really want to get back. Awesome. Yeah, it was. I actually ended up getting about forty grand out of it because it was needed fixed up a little bit. My dad came in and kind of. You know, kind of stepped on my toes a little bit, but I love my dad. Um, yeah, yeah. But so, uh, yeah. So, and I ended up getting in trouble again, obviously, um, when my friend showed up and I fell off. But, uh, and then my dad sold it and whatever, we split the money. But, um, yeah, um, basically did that with nothing down, got cash back at closing from the agent. So, um, you know, it is possible. A lot of people say that no money down, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, it's it's very rare. You got to do some kind of thing or something. But, um you know, no cash out of your pocket or real and deal. It's possible to just, um, out of nowhere, um, invest in real estate. Cause you don't, it doesn't matter if you have a criminal record or anything. It's, um, you know, if you're an investor or a real estate investor, then, you know, you don't have to apply for a job. You're just doing an investment with someone else. You don't need a criminal record. It's not going to be an object to your, yeah, totally. That's sort of why I've been in the construction field the whole time. Cause they're not going to run a background check on you. They're just going to say, get dirty. <clears throat> so there are, you know, for people that are listening, want some inspiration, uh, you're just out of prison, you're listening. There's jobs out there. You could start somewhere. I started off cleaning restrooms at the, up and down I-5 for Goodwill. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was my, that's funny you say Goodwill. That was a, right when I got out, I went to what are those places called? A job service program where they go and they get you a job. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I, I didn't know how to work. I had, my work was selling death to people that I barely knew. And, uh, um, yeah, so my first job was Goodwill, too. And, all I, and I was grateful, man. It was a trip. The first day I left there, I, was, I didn't, they freaking took my license, so I had to ride. I called it the Hermafire, this little Pee Wee Herman bike. And I rode it to freaking I freaking rode it to work every day to the Goodwill, and all I did is packed freaking tons of clothes, you know, and he put them in this big thing and packed it with a packer, and that was the first job I've actually had that was probably legit. But my job was worse; I had to clean the rest. But anyways, it was humbling. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. I, I would, have, I would have much rather um, sorted clothes. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so bad, but uh, yeah, then I just started putting around working, and, and then I got to where I was at. But like you're saying. Nothing's impossible, man. I've got a freaking eighth grade education, and everybody's like, oh, man, where'd you go to school? And I said, dude, I went to school. I went to South. I mean, by the time I got thrown out of school for good, I was a 10th grader, but, and then I went to Schemacketa. But, like, anybody can do anything if you put your mind to it. And, I mean, for me, I had to get clean and sober to figure this out, or I'd still be going back to jail and prison. But, um, I can't take anything back in my life. You know what I mean? What it is, what it is. And I made up a job from 
scratch. And just like you said, you know what I mean? I w- put my neck out there and just said, I'm going to do this or starve, and I figured it out. So no regrets, right? No, no, no. You know what I mean? I can't, I mean, if you can't go back and go, man, I wish, uh, can you guys just take, erase that prison sentence for me? No, <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> but no, you know what I mean? I, if I went to school, it, it, when I went to school, I wish I would have learned a little more, but I didn't, and I learned enough in the streets that I can get by. Okay, well, we got to go to a break right now, but um, hold that thought, and we'll be right back. CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. And we're back. Special little shout out to Lad Justison and Dave Dahl of Days Killer Bread, our former hosts. Yeah. Hope you guys are out there listening. Probably too busy, but hey, you can always catch the reruns on a, a podcast, right? Yep. Absolutely. SoundCloud. Yeah, SoundCloud, iTunes, iTunes whatever. You, yep. If you guys want to listen, go through them. There's so many cool um, podcasts to listen to. So, anyways, back to our guest. I think, uh, Dick, you got a couple questions you want to direct at him, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Josh, just out yeah, of curiosity. my friend. Okay, <laughs> good. Uh, out of curiosity, man, what do you, do you think that in some strange way you going through all this and going through jail and, and the prison thing and the drug thing, do you think that was kind of set up for you to be where you're at today? Or do you think without that you would still be uh, very successful with doing the investment properties? Nope. I think everything had, everything laid down exactly the way it was. I had to learn a lesson. You know what I mean? Some people learned it the easy way. Some people learned it the hard way. And for some reason, I always went the hard way, but it worked out. Yeah, some people never learn it, too. Right. I mean, it's extremely impressive. I mean, in my opinion, everyone that's on the show is a great source of inspiration and against all odds type story. Yeah, you um, know how better. I appreciate that, man. I don't hear it enough. I mean, it's reality, though. I mean, it, it is. It was like I was saying, man, it was the hardest, smartest thing I've ever done. And I've accomplished some pretty fucking cool things in my life, brother. But, you know, I mean, just to pull yourself out of that environment and not hang out with your homies every day and not live the way you used to live that just that lifestyle just getting just pulling yourself out of that lifestyle was so hard for me that nothing's impossible like people say things are impossible nothing's freaking impossible dude if i can get clean anybody can get clean because i freaking i was a mess man so how often do people um come up to you and say hey you inspired me does that happen oh yeah isn't that a good feeling it's you're, a great feeling. You're not really and working we, towards it, but, you know, just out of the blue when you least expect it, someone goes, hey, man, uh, dude, that really inspired me, man. It just gives you a whole new little light or a little fire, doesn't it? Yeah, it gets you through that day, you know, because you only got to do it one, 
you know what I mean? You only got to do it one day at a time. And sometimes people will spark you. And I was just, man, that's going to get me through the day. Yeah. And, uh, and here's the sad thing. You know what I mean? Everyone like, I sponsored a bunch of kids and I always take kids to the meetings and I take kids bowling and they didn't have money. We'd figure out how they could go bowling. You know what I mean? And, uh, Everyone's like, man, you were you do so much service work, man. What do you do it for? I said, I do it for myself. I didn't do one thing for any of those kids. They were keeping me sober. I wasn't keeping them sober. It might sound selfish, but you know what I mean. Sometimes you got to be I, selfish to, you know. Correct. You know what I mean. If I, it, it's the how would you? Uh, I'll say it like this. So you know when the masks come down on the airplane. Yeah. And you it says to the parent to put it on first. Well, if you want to freaking help anyone out, you put the mask on first so you can save yourself. Cause if you're not breathing, you can't save nobody. That's a great analogy actually. So that's just that one. Cause you know what I mean? Really? If, uh, yeah, if you're not breathing, you can't help anyone else. So the main, the main person you're trying to save, man, not everybody, I tell everybody in this program, they're like, man, blah, blah, blah. and I said, dude, I'm going to be honest, bro. I did it for myself so I can make it through the day. I'm yeah. just trying to help. I'm trying to help you help me. Yeah. I'm, I need to learn to be a little more selfish. I'm trying to. Oh, dude. Selfless is the hardest thing that I've ever, I didn't even know I could be that. You know what I mean? I was such, I was a selfish person. I wanted to take all your money, all your, everything out of your house. I was sick. You know what I mean? When you're a drug dealer, you don't care. And now I, it's like, whoa, I actually pinch myself and go, dude, I've got feelings? What the hell are feeling? Because <laughs> back then, you know what I mean? I don't even know if I was human. All I cared about is getting more money and more dough. Yeah, the majority of people in that situation, for sure. Right. So just out of curiosity, uh, back when you were young in Boston, riding skateboards, would it have been like, you had no idea at all you would have gone to the construction field, correct? Oh, man, no, not at all. Everyone's dreams to be a pro skateboarder or pro snowboarder, so I thought that was my dream, but I might have been really high. No, that was pretty good. But yeah, A couple of guests ago, we had Big Herc, who was really into skateboarding and stuff as well in the Bay Area around that same time. Excellent. And, you know, what I like to get across to His people. His name wouldn't be Danny, would it? No, no. All right, Danny. Danny Sargent's from Portland. He lives in the Bay Area now, so this oh, is He's got a pretty cool story. Yeah, Big Herc's from Sacramento. But uh, the thing I like to try to get across is that, you know, when we're young, we all have aspirations and dreams of what we want to do, and we kind of have our hearts set on specific things. But the the moral of the story is that life can take you in any direction. You know, you have to keep an open mind, and you never know what the the next connection you make is going to be the one that opens up everything and and takes you to that next level. Totally. And I'd like to get that across to people that, you know, just don't be close-minded. Don't think, oh, I'm only good at this one particular thing because there's a whole world out there of things you could you could actually excel in. Yeah, I, I agree seen, with you 100%, brother. Yeah, I just seen a friend of mine, and I was down in, <clears throat> doing, um, I went down to visit my mother, and one of my friends that I knew was going through a rough time, there he was at Walmart, and I go, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, man, I'm just doing it, man. Uh, and I go, well, I mean, he goes, this is all I know how to do. I go, dude, go to sponsors, call one of our friends. They'll get you a bed. You know, I go, you're a good worker. You do construction. You do mechanics. He's like, mm, I'm just out here trying to stay out of the rain and get my hustle on. I'm just like, bro, just go reach out. 
You know, I'm just like, I'm just like, come on, man. <laughs> What's up, dude? So, you know. That's the hardest part that I told you about. You know what I mean? It's hard. Before it's before the idea was smart, you got to do the hard part. The You got to get through the pain to get to the good. And You know what I mean? Yeah, and the guy's I, asking me for money. I'm just like, no, dude, I'll buy you a pack of cigarettes. But, you know, I'm not giving you money to go buy drugs or alcohol. No. 100%. Ab- you know, I do the same thing. So, I mean, I would love to have gave him some money. But, you know, it's not. You know, it's not going to help him. Yeah, you're not going to be responsible for his last hit of dope. (laughs) Right? It's no shit. Thank you. So, anyways, that's, you know, for people like that. No, that's a good story. You know what I mean? I see friends like that all the time, and they're like, oh, man, give me some money. And I said, well, you hungry? Yeah, well, let's fuck go get some lunch. I'm not that hungry. I just want some cash. <laughs> yeah. I do. I, get, I see that. I do that all the oh, time. You always get that after lunch, but you're just like, hey, dude, that wasn't a deal. I'm taking you to lunch. You got to go. It's, it's you know what I mean? I just like I told you, man, I don't want to be, you know what I mean? I gave that guy a 20 spot, and I see him on the news the next night. For right. This dude always wants a 20 spot. OD I'm with like, the needle in his arm, and I fucking killed him for trying to help him out. <laughs> you're hungry, but you don't want 20, you want, you don't want no food, but you want $20. Right. I'll go buy you some food, but no, you gotta have twenty dollars. No, I don't get it. You know, yeah, I do. I do get it. So it's a it's a disease, and a lot of people in the world. Well, I don't even know. Yeah, it's just a mess. But yeah, so the trippiest thing that I've been like, I go to these world conventions for NA, and it is a miracle, man. Like the first one I ever went to was in San Diego, and. There were um everyone was like, what what the heck are those little name tags? Because they give you like a lanyard like for like a backstage pass thing, and you, everybody was wearing around. And they're like, hey, what what the heck are all those people? They're more you than us. And we're like, oh no, it's an NA convention. And they're like, you guys are all crazy as hell. You guys are clean. And we're like, that's why we're fucking crazy. <laughs> we were just we're not we're not different than anyone else. We just didn't use drugs that day. That's true. So Josh, uh, you know, now that you, I mean, I'm assuming back when you were doing, using every drug under the sun, uh, that was occupying your entire life. Like now. Oh, like, con- consumed it all. Yeah, of course. Um, now that you're sober, you have everything going with yourself. Do you, do you do, do you have any kind of hobbies, any kind of things that you do to kind of take your mind out there or fill your time up so you're not kind of, you know, that idle mind type thing? Oh yeah. Um, I, my son, I skateboard with my son every now and then. I'm older than hell, so I don't want to take a fall. But I do go snowboarding with my son on Wednesdays, so I break up my week. And uh, I try to do that. And then in the summer, I travel a little bit. In the winter, I travel a little bit because it's freaking Oregon. So I got a spot in Mexico that I go to. <clears throat> but, yeah, I just try to stay busy. You know, you're not running a business keeps me pretty busy. So, yeah, and then if I'm ever struggling, the first thing I do is if I like it or not, I go to a meeting if I want to or if I don't want to. And uh, I usually walk out of there feeling better than when I did walk in there. So that gets me through the days, too. That's great to hear. And, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? I just I work away. And the most important thing to my guys is I stay loyal to my guys. I mean, I could go to Mars or freaking hawaii or wherever and my i wouldn't even need to you know and i might get a phone call or two because i've been working with, with this, these crews so long and if you're good up good at setting up crews then it's just another system just like i was doing before but now it's legit so uh correct me if i'm wrong but like 
you essentially right now you take old properties, fix them up, resell them on the market, you know, for a for a profit, correct? I do that too, and I sell. Uh, I buy bare land, and I build. So I flip houses too, but um, I mostly just build the duplexes in. Uh, that, well, they're pretty much student housing. So right now I'm building by uh, Western, and I've been there for four years now or three years, and uh, I just build as many of these duplexes that I can. I build them uh, four bedroom duplexes. They're all vaulted with plant shelves in them, and two bathrooms so it's sort of just like a student housing so once kids they have to live at the dorms four for their freshman year and then right when they get out boom they're they're buying or filling up one of my units because they could play beer pong off the roof or whatever they want to do <laughs> all, all i need them to do is pay their rent did you ever think about going to fourplexes or eight plexes yeah 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 that I'm thinking about that i was supposed to start a subdivision that's my next thing i'm going to do is build a subdivision for myself is there more money so, in, in developing than there is flipping? It, no, uh, de- developing is probably the scariest thing you ever want to walk into because you know what I mean. Say that your whatever your bid was, blah blah blah, and you start going and digging in the ground, and there's boulders the size of VW bugs, and you got to break them up. That's like an excavation or stuff like that. You never know what's in the ground. So. That's another hundred thousand dollars out of budget. So, oh, exactly. So that you're, yeah, it's, it's really hard to stay on budget. If you're building a subdivision, I've been doing these duplexes so long and with the same guys, you know, where you're going to start, you know, where you're going to finish. So, so I'm still going to branch out and try a subdivision. If I, I mean, it's just like anything else. I'll succeed or I won't. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to get back up. Right. It's, it's, you could probably put a couple million dollars in your pocket. huh? I put plan on it. Is that, is that the, are the numbers, right? I don't know how much, uh, I mean, what's your net worth? How are you doing? I mean, are you- I'm doing good. Uh, I've got inventory right now. I need to get a little rid of less. I think I got three point five million dollars worth of inventory, and inventory I that means two- like houses you can sell. Right, right. Okay, that's and cool. I usually make on a duplex after real estate and everything about one hundred and fifty. So, yeah, I've got like three point four million dollars worth of inventory. And if I sold all that, I'd walk with probably nine hundred. That's good. Eight hundred. That's a good um, day's work, right? Oh yeah, it <laughs> took a lot. Look, it took a couple more in the days, but yeah, yeah, I'll uh, yeah, I'll take it. It's more, it's more money that I made out there, freaking having bullets fly at my head and stuff, and right, and selling like, drugs just to get ratted on, yeah. and ripped off, and you know, yeah, it's a miracle. You know what I mean? So, and like, you know, I'd hate to say it, but all the. I got my freaking degree on the street corner and some people got their degree at Harvard or Yale or wherever. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm catching up with them. I think that's good. That shows that anybody can go from um, zero to hero and, you know, be whatever you want to be, whether it be a, right. That's investor. all I want to be is myself, bro. You know, right. not, if I catch up with those guys, I catch up with them. not my family's fed. Right. Maybe that'll inspire them to, you know, drug, there's no successful drug dealers. Come on. Yeah, there. Um, to be honest, I don't think there is any. There's a couple of them, but we don't hear about them because that's how low profile they are. <laughs> Amen. <You know? laughs> I, t- yep. I tell these dudes trying to sell drugs, what, what you know, you think you're going to go somewhere with that? Watch Scarface. That's what. If you're even successful, that's what's going to happen. You ain't going to. It doesn't. Yeah, it does about not how end good. That guy got. It does not end good. You know, not at all. But but that's what you're doing is movie. is you're creating a legacy. 
You know, you got money in the bank, you got investments happening, you can um, liquefy your stuff, you know. Your kids are going to have yeah, something. I've actually that's got a great a feeling. That's a great <laughs> feeling. Yeah, retirement. You know, what, what's funny, it's kind of a, it's kind of stereotypical or a little cliche or whatever, but it's like the meme, if you can run like a street corner, if you can run a drug enterprise, you can run a legitimate business. Do you feel that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're kind of living proof of that, correct? That's, that's my testimony, brother. That's great. Congratulations. But anybody could do it, man. If I could do it, I was a freaking two-time loser, freaking junkie. If I could do it, anybody could How many times loser? Huh? Two many, times. Just twice? <laughs> yeah. Not bad. Uh, I'm like a, so, so, see, I wasn't that successful a drug dealer, just like you guys were saying. Because right. if I was, I wouldn't have caught, I wouldn't have, like, you're talking about the guys that nobody knows about. Well, obviously, they knew about me because I got a freaking SID number. But, damn, the first couple times in prison, you were like, you had it all figured out. You're going to revamp, and you got new connections, and, you know, you're going to hook up with this dude, and he's got the chemicals, or he's got the, sh you know? Yeah. Dude, that was just like a... Prison was just like a camp to get dirtier. Right. It's, it's college. It's, it's college, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's some sort of college. Criminology. Yeah, Criminology 101. So we have um, we have uh, Criminals Anonymous. Criminon. Have you heard of that? I have not. So it's for criminals that want to, instead of alcohol or drugs, it's for criminals. It's awesome. Yeah, we've had a guest on the show a couple times, uh, represent Criminon, which is essentially like NA or AA, but it's for criminal behavior. And uh, Oh, right. That is whatever works, man. Like I told people that uh, if I could stay sober today and it took me to go to a meeting, I'd go to a meeting called fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, whatever, whatever helps. fucking A. <laughs> you know? So just out of curiosity, where where do you see like what do you want for your investment property uh, business? You know the real estate company. Do you have any vision for the future in it, or do you have any? Yeah, yeah. You know, what I mean? I'm going to start. Well, I'm going to try to do the <laughs> the stuff you can't see in the ground, the subdivision thing, and see how that takes off. Because right now there's just really not a lot of dirt anymore. Like how you guys have to build up and not out. They're going to do that in Salem now, or. Every single family lot you can build up on now instead of, and I can't wait until they do that, man. I'm just waiting. I'm going to go freaking berserk. I mean, you know, right now it's like the modern day gold rush in Portland as far as it's crazy. We got the Ritz Carlton. Yeah, it's crazy down here. <laughs> Dude, you like, guys are helping me out by no means. I mean, my rents wanna, went up you should from come 1400 check out to 2000 yeah, I, I was going to check out Portland. You guys, dirt's just too expensive. <laughs> but the rewards are more rewarding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not scared, man. Once I get to that pinnacle, I'll try something in Portland, like a little, you know what I mean? A little defects community or God, I wonder how much like they that sold that, that little square where the food carts were on with the Ritz-Carlton. How much would Ritz-Carlton yeah. pay for that little, just a little square uh, uh concrete a little asphalt square they ran off all the food carts and now they like they dug down like five or six stories now it's like it's gonna be huge yeah i'm just, I, just I, I haven't seen that so over where the carts were they somebody bought that and they're digging they're, they're already Ritz -Carlton. six feet down Ritz -Carlton. oh wow so they're already six feet down in the ground yeah, for penthouses, all the parking and all that penthouses pool to, um, pool on the top of the roof all kinds of crazy stuff i don't know condominiums Yes, that's, that's pretty sick. But where'd the food carts go? <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, poor all guy. over. Yeah. yeah, they scattered them. Man, that was a great little thing. Now the food cart thing is. I mean, yeah, yeah. That was the goods. I'd go to a show and walk over there after the show and munch and 
Well, they still got they still got a lot of food carts. <clears throat> like there's down on uh, third. Oh yeah, yeah. Down in third and down more into the um, Voodoo Donut area is um, there's more food carts. But they had like right, up on, by up Dante's on, and stuff. Yeah, but up on like. 10th and 11th, they had like a little square. It was like, you know, all these upper businesses and stuff all ate there. It was really good selection, too. Excellent. So, yeah, so Josh, instead of like coming up, you know, in Portland and, and trying your, your craft up here, do you ever think about going to like Silverton or Primeville, something like that, and just dominating everything? That's yeah, a, no, I, I did. Uh, I did um, Almsville. I did a little bit in Salem. But uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, I wouldn't mind to build like a nice apartment student housing thing next to some schools up in Portland. That might be something adventurous. I think everything right here is solid gold. Until yeah, it's, the bubble sol- burst. it's like yeah. beyond solid gold. It's like <laughs> it's 40, right? it? Well, the best thing I like gold? about the pill, I love it. And uh, the best thing I like about student housing is obviously these kids just got out of school, so they don't have any job history and their parents rent the place. And, and then once the first freshman or sophomore moves out, the next one takes it over. So I've really had no openings. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's win-win. It's, it's... And their parents are on the hook for rent. And right. They're gonna, they're gonna, they pay that. It's, already, you know, it's probably on automatic pay. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I have, my, I have a lady that collects rent for me or the property manager. I have, like, <clears throat> just little team, one lady that does the rentals because – I don't know how to do that. I'm right. not geared up to sue people. <laughs> and I don't like the courtroom. Every time I was in the courtroom, oh, yeah. I was sweating. Uh, one lady does your property management? Yeah, yeah. She takes care of all that. You I have probably a bookkeeper. Don't, you probably don't have too much hassle. Students are, you know, pretty already figuring it no, out. No, dude. They, like, my rents are two grand a month, but they're, they're, they're pimp units, hardwood floors, freaking nice countertops, all high-end finishes, stainless steel. But uh, do you have yeah, a website? You know, I figure the higher the rents, you're gonna get a better selection of kids. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if their parents are like, "Oh, no biggie, we'll pay five hundred a bedroom for you," that I haven't really had any problems. Four bedrooms. Bit, so you you're know. so you're renting out one unit's four bedrooms. Yeah, that's that's insane for a student. What a spoiled little kid. He needs to be spanked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, they love it, man. They got uh, their own little things. That, you want to know what a trip is? As you know, the USB plugs that you plug your phone into, yeah. I put those in, in the one by everyone's bed, one in every bathroom, and, and one in the kitchen. That's and I've genius. Had kids want, I've had kids want to live there over a $7 part. No, that's genius. That's I need that. I have plugins everywhere, but every once in a while I take one, so it's gone. But that way would be right there. Well, yeah, you can go buy those things for seven bucks and hook them up wherever you want. Man. Oh, I am now. <laughs> it's, it's sick. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, just little things like that, dude, catch people's eye. And it's called attention. That's what you just, attention yeah, you just got to pay attention. Exactly. That's what. That's what. Why my friend pulled me out of the ditch and said, "Go start building houses, dude," because. You put stuff in the ground that people would want to take a picture of, and we're just burying it. <laughs> Do you have a website, or how can people? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Menges Investment Properties on um, on Facebook. Menges Investment Properties LLC. Okay, Menges. M e n g e s. All right. So okay, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just got one question. Uh, just real quick, what advice would you give for someone like maybe in prison or a friend of yours? They either wants to get sober and work with you or following your footsteps. 
just like I said, most importantly, they got to just, what do you call it? Surrender. They just got to surrender to the, to get themselves outside that atmosphere. And once I, once you get outside that atmosphere, I didn't think that there were good people in the world, but there's people in NA and AA that'll do anything for you for nothing. You know what I mean? That's not what it's about. And then once they get there, they'll, it just, I thought I was in freaking another planet. I was like, these people are sober and they're actually going to help me. What the hell? And then I started doing it. And then I just, I just think that if somebody gets out of prison, first thing they should do is try to try not to get loaded. That's probably the hardest part. And then maybe try to find the rooms in Narcotics Anonymous or get a mentor or something like that. But you, the, the most advice that I got is, if you don't want to go back to prison, don't go back to the dope house. Makes sense. I just nope. go ahead. I'm sorry. Just, just flat out, don't go to the dope house. Go to anywhere, anything. You know, even if it sounds freaking freaky or weird, go there. <laughs> it's not going to get you high, and it might keep you clean that day. Yeah, you got it. It's, it's making a choice. Make do the next right <laughs> exactly. thing. Exactly. Okay. Well, Correct I guess that. I guess that's going to wrap us up unless you have anything else you want to add before we uh, go off the air. No, man. Uh, you guys are going to help me stay clean today. I appreciate oh, you. No, you're helping us too. I appreciate you, man. It's really inspiring. Um, zero to hero is one of those things. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, here we go. All right, my brothers. You have a great day. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, Josh. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you can easily control how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Felony Inc. sent you and get $150 credit. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.